Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 88 of Utaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and today's interesting and unique because I'm not joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. I'm actually joined by my forever wife. Your forever wife? Her name is Lauren. I also go by Giz- Gizmo. And you do something on Instagram. I do. I run and lead Gizmo's Game Room. It's like a little Instagram account about gaming, nerdy, retro stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a fan. Go check it out. You might even say you're a number one fan. And Scooby needs to go oh, to the bathroom. Thanks. But what do you say we actually get to the main topic of the show? And by that, I mean the real podcast with Ryan. Yeah, let's go. I can fill in. We basically have the same humor anyway. You wouldn't notice it by my voice, but pretty sick and dark and sarcastic so we'll get you back on the pod pretty soon yeah don't worry about it let's go welcome to otaku brothers your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring rusty re lewis 2011 and ryan hey so um have you, have you seen Nicki Minaj's new music video? I think it's called The Wop. Wap. The Wapple. No, I'm not a big fan of hers. It, it's great. Who? Wait, Cardi who? Cardi, you said Cardi B. Did I? Nicki Minaj. Wait, Cardi B. Fuck. They're all the same. <laughs> Didn't they have a rivalry at like a music show and they're all just calling each other bitches and hoes? That's probably a <laughs> very real hose? scenario that happened. Is it Cardi B? Yeah, Car- No. It's Cardi B. Okay. Yeah, Cardi B and some other rapper girl, and then like a Kardashian gets in there, and then there's like lions humping in a room, and they're just singing about wops, and then all of a sudden they're in like an industrial factory with like ooze everywhere. You know, it was in my YouTube Watch Later playlist queue, but I just never just got to it. keep it there. Okay. <laughs> keep it there. I, I There was some like short snippet of it on... Uh, like without any of the visuals from it. And I was like, what the hell are they complaining about in this video? And then I watched it and it made me question things. It's it's not good. This is episode 88 of We Talk About This, by the way. <laughs> is it 88? Yeah, we're at 88, 12 away from 100, 2 away from 90. Very nice. Math is your strong suit. <laughs> it's Friday. He's been doing it all day. A little bit warmed up. Yeah, it's uh, it's been almost a month since we've actually released an episode. It's been six days since we've f- attempted to record an episode, but yeah. my computer is absolutely m- just screwed up. I don't know what's going on, but um, for whatever reason, the USB ports are not working because when we plug in our USB microphones, the audio is just completely shot. We got weird echoes. It sounds like you're in a tin can. I sound like... I don't even know. It's just all kinds of echoing going on. Well, you put me in a tin can last week as punishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when I was recording or when I was streaming on Twitch earlier this week, my screen just went black when I was playing Poi on PS4 for no really particular reason. Everything was going fine. And then all of a sudden my screen went black and I was like, am I still, am I still alive? And then I came back and then about 40 minutes after that, it did it again. And my screen just kept like blinking. Yeah, And then eventually that horrible notification on Windows PCs showed up. It's like the frowny face and says, your computer's messed up. We're trying to fix it. So I don't know what's going on. I am, uh, I'm going to call Asus or Asus support mm-hmm. tomorrow and Asus. try and... Who? 
I said ISIS. <laughs> well, no. I don't think they're the, the ones that are gonna fix my uh, computer problems. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm going to try because I literally got the computer almost a year ago to this day. I got it in late July and it's a top of the line computer. I got a two year warranty on it. So my hope outside of COVID, I would say, is that they'll just ship me off a new machine. But my guess is they probably don't have a lot of computers in the back stock right now. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. Thankfully, my wonderful wife, your sister, allowed us to record the podcast using hor- Whore computer. That whore. (laughs) Her computer. So uh, we're recording through that. I just downloaded uh, Audacity, which is what we use, and then Voice Meter to capture the mics, uh, to do all the gains stuff in the background behind the scenes. Uh, So that's what we're doing. And this is 88 episode of Otaku Brothers. And uh, we're here. We're here to do it. Yeah, we are. So we got a lot of fun things to talk about. Unfortunately, last week's episode, we spent roughly an hour talking about the PlayStation State of Play. Uh, the current state of Nintendo, uh, the games we've been playing, and a whole slew of other things. But that episode, again, just kind of went Ooh, by the wayside. I, I thought it was a good conversation. It was good. No, it was yeah. a great episode. I just, I don't know what happened with the audio, so I wasn't going to... I didn't feel comfortable releasing that because it was just awful. It was way worse than the first episode that we had that... Yeah, the Microsoft years. thing. Yeah. We were talking about the games, the Xbox game showcase. Which was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're going to try and stay as positive as we possibly can. Well, that's why I said it was brilliant, because that's extremely positive. Mm-hmm. I'm going to postpone this update that, that Lauren's computer wants to do. Um, it's that you're postponing it. It's like, <laughs> I wanted to be updated. Echoes. <laughs> Probably going to screw yeah. things up. But uh, but yeah, no, dude, it's been like three or four weeks. Listeners haven't heard from us. So uh, how you doing? How you holding up? I'm doing all right. Um Today was a rough day. We're, we're recording on Friday. It's We're kind of out of our element. You were super jacked up. I was jacked up until I had a four o'clock meeting. Who schedules four o'clock meetings on Fridays? Freaking just assholes. Purely assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was supposed to go until five. And then they're like, hey, let's talk about other fun work stuff. And it just kept bleeding over. I'm like, you know what? I've got an appointment, guys, to record the podcast. With your best friend. Yeah, I just left out the record the podcast with my brother-in-law. He's having a drink. I'm drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. No, I'm drinking coffee, too. Oh, are you? This is iced okay. coffee. Yeah. We haven't gotten out the gin yet, but we will. That's Don't. a mid-episode when we start talking about Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely needed. You're like, oh, God, fuck. Halo? <laughs> Where's that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll get the gin out for that. But um, we got plenty of episode to record before that. Yeah, so besides that, fuck, I don't... I did. It was two weeks, I mm-hmm. guess. I was sick on Tuesday, um, so I took a day off. We got the Minecraft server. I think that's new. Do we talk? I honestly can't even remember what we've talked about that's been released to the interwebs versus what we've just had conversations on Discord about at this point. Yeah, I think we talked about it last the episode we lost. So yeah, so yeah, the Minecraft server's out. Mm-hmm. We got the IP on the Discord. I've played that way too much so mm-hmm. far. Um, see frantic and his fiance on there a ton um ben and rick are on there i'm gonna be on there most of tomorrow okay um, ben and i's goal is to beat the ender dragon which is kind of beats the game and kind of starts the end game kind of grind mm-hmm. so we're gonna plan on doing that tomorrow evening and then potentially and then go get some wings and fly so we can fly around 
Is that what happens when you eat chicken wings? You like literally become a chicken and start if, at this point. I should wings. really have like freaking angel wings <laughs> from Lucifer the show. Uh huh. Um, but maybe, maybe I'm just hiding them. You know, it's funny. I actually flew over here. <laughs> <laughs> you were in rare form because you had so much energy like two episodes ago or the episode we recorded the Microsoft thing for. Yeah. Now I feel like you're like the opposite end of the spectrum where you're just so tired. You're just going to start talking like nonsensical. Well, madness. I was super like energetic when I came over here and then we didn't have logistics figured out and Lauren was at Walmart and then all of a sudden it started like raining mm-hmm. and my dog's at home alone just sad and afraid how's nala doing she's doing good um she i was i'm trying to put on weight not put on weight i'm trying to get her ribs not to show it's not that she's malnourished or anything by any means but she's just really lean Mm. um so i've been feeding her more i give her like a bone a day like a rawhide bone Mm -hmm. so i'm like hopefully those extra calories packing them in there well have you gotten the um the little, uh, gosh, what the heck are those like little cone things that you stuff with peanut butter? Yeah. You've oh, got... she gets lots of peanut butter. Okay, that'll put the weight on. Yeah. She's in bulking season. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> she's starting to have like the dirty bulk. Yeah, she's just preparing for hibernation yeah, in the winter. Some dirty rice, you know, some chicken with and fat and stuff. Uh huh. Just giving her cups of olive oil, and, you know, whatever oh, works. She's got days. a gainer shake, mm-hmm. you know. But, yeah. I'm doing all right. That's good. I'm, yeah, mostly just Minecraft and work. And oh, I started an Instagram about art stuff. You did do that, yeah, Lauren. Uh, in the beginning of the show, because we were testing earlier, I figured why not just throw that in the beginning of the episode. Um, she created an Instagram account because she doesn't have uh, really a means, I guess, or the time to start a, a YouTube channel or a Twitch thing, which she does have plans to do. Mm-hmm. So she created that Instagram account that's very focused on many of the memorabilia collectibles and gaming stuff that we have around our apartment and um stored away at my dad's house which the best is yet to come by the way if you're if you've been following Lauren's Instagram yeah, account because she has my stuff <laughs> she has your stuff she has my stuff so we've got plenty of bones. uh plenty of stuff to um flood the Instagram yeah, accounts like the, with uh, that kingdom hearts like three in the world kind of thing i cannot wait so i'll probably do the caption for that post but i can't believe years and years ago i think it's one of my first instagram posts on my personal account but it's one of those things that it's like a one in a million you submit your name and email into one of those competitions and this was like through a disney instagram account or maybe it was a square enix account i can't remember on twitter and uh, i remember retweeting it submitting my email and then like three months later i got an, an email from square enix or something like that saying like, hi Rusty, you're one of like three people across the entire globe that won this first figure Sora uh, figure. And I was like, this is definitely spam and not right. <laughs> and uh, turns out it was, they shipped me off this incredibly beautiful Sora figure in the box, still I haven't opened it, never will. Uh, the really wild thing is that my friend uh, Benny Bernardo, he lives across the pond, I'm not gonna give the exact country, We've known each other since back in the day on YouTube, mm-hmm. and he also was one of like the three people that won this Sora figure. So, crazy small world. Um, definitely never doubt those those uh, those little competitions where you submit your email. You just never know because I won. Play the lottery. Yeah, they stole my identity. My name's now Sora. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I didn't mean to derail that. So you started an Instagram account yourself. Yeah, uh, Lauren was having success, and I was like, "Fuck it, I." I might as well do art stuff. Um, So I I put out my occasional art because it's not consistent, but Mm -hmm. 
I'm I'm putting out my backlog of things that I deem as acceptable looking. Yeah. And then don't yeah. sell yourself too short, dude. You have some well, really amazing. Yeah, no, no, these are the ones that paintings. I deem as good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, as I do stuff, I'll just post, and I have zero expectations on followers or likes. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I just kind of be out there. That's um, good. I think, especially in the winter months, if we are still in a stay-at-home setting, um, almost having an account to keep you accountable with your painting, because I think. That's going to be a great creative outlet for you. Um, certainly, if you stay at home for the next however many months, it's going to be. Yeah. So probably a while. Yeah. So yeah, I think it'll be good. Um, one of the people who, or the girl who did the original sketch of the Harry Potter painting, had an Etsy, mm-hmm. and looking at her Etsy, or look, I saw one, an Etsy today, and it had like sixteen thousand like things sold, and I was like, fuck, that's. That's a hell of a side gig for my supplemental or supplement my main job. If you sold your Mewtwo painting as prints for like $30, that would sell like gangbusters. Yeah. That would sell a crazy number of um, copies, prints, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I need to figure out how to do that. I'll eventually make an Etsy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I can quit my job and ascend to art god. <laughs> Heck yeah. It's the end goal. Like I, I was thinking about it this week is... Nine to five is just a, such a sucky, like, ancient kind of work. And mm-hmm. I, if I could do my own thing, just become a vagabond and, yeah. like, I don't know, backpack across the Amazon. Why not? Yeah. Hunt Jaguar. Become Dude. Tarzan. <laughs> Mary Jane. Live in a tree boat. <laughs> Fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> I have goals. Yeah. Those are good ones. We'll see. Maybe when I'm 30. Mm-hmm. So, how was your week? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm going to become Mulan. Yeah, exactly. That's that's my goal. Um, no, I uh, I had an okay week. I've had a really kind of just interesting few weeks with, um, I don't know, I'm just in a weird headspace, I guess, okay. to put it really simply. Um, at this point, I can't even remember if I had talked about this on the podcast or not, but um, I think I did in the last episode that I was going back to work. So, yeah. we got the green light to send yeah. uh, folks back to where... Where I work, I was part of kind of this wave two, if you will. And then three days after being at work, um, one of our top executives gave the kind of the warning that everyone was going back home because we'd seen increased cases in our area of COVID, of course. And so that kind of just shattered my mental health because I was really excited to kind of have renewed focus. I'm kind of an incredibly introverted extrovert if you will like I kind of creep or border on um, both introvert and extrovert I would say but I'm more of an extrovert because I do get a lot of energy being around other people yeah however I also get a lot of energy of just being by myself playing games listening to, to podcasts and things like that too um, so that was just tough to kind of digest so I would say the past week and a half it's just been a real struggle for me to remain focused and not get super anxious. So I've just been going on a lot of walks, listening to like a lot of Foo Fighters and um, some of the earlier Coldplay stuff just to kind of like, I don't know, just kind of hype me up and get energized and then come back to my work computer and station and try and get as much done as I can. But there's been some days where it's just like, if I can schedule these three meetings and respond to these four emails, like that's a success. And I'm just trying to show myself as much grace as possible because it's not easy. And it's not easy for a lot of people. And um, yeah. one thing in particular that I took interest in that really inspired me was um 
Blink, friend of the show, he's on Discord, um, and re- recently actually became Twitch affiliate, so congrats, yeah. Blink, was you're awesome. Last night, that was awesome. Yeah, we love tuning into you, uh, and I also love tuning into your uh, significant other's podcast on YouTube. It's called Eventual Knits, so if you're not um, listening to it, I would definitely encourage you to do so, especially if you just want and need something in your life that's super chill and just creates kind of a relaxing, she just has a very relaxing and calming presence. So I've just appreciated, especially during work days, listening to her show. And recently she gave Lauren and I a shout out, which is very nice of her and kind of her, but it was the tail end of that episode that really kind of struck a chord with me. She was talking about ways her and Blink are trying to cultivate joy in their lives because they work in the same place. They easily get into the habit of just talking about work and complaining about work um, and and things like that, which is very easy to do. Lauren and I do it on a daily basis. And so they're trying to get outside of that routine and instead find routines and ways that they can um, just feel better about themselves, their lives, their days, their jobs. And so they've been doing things like going out to lunch. So just going to a, a nearby park and kind of eating their lunches, going on an extended walk, playing Hearthstone. Maybe even if they're not like associating or talking with each other, they're just getting out, getting some sun and just getting some fresh air. Yeah. And so that's really helped me because I've been going on a lot of walks with Scooby and Lauren. Um, but also something that uh, Sprite's doing is that she has a whiteboard next to her computer. And so she writes down the things of on each day of the week that she's looking forward to. Uh, and that kind of motivates her and pushes her through her work days to get the things done so that she can watch Blink Stream at night, so that she can get back to a knitting project that she's currently working on, things like that. Um, so starting Monday, I'm actually going to start going to my dad's place because he lives 10 minutes down the road. I'm going to set up shop there two to three days a week and probably do something similar. Have a whiteboard up so that like, Hey, at the end of today, I'm going to be able to rush home and watch Nolan stream, watch blink stream, stream myself, um, or just get back to the Witcher three or something, whatever game it is that I'm playing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I just, a weird, difficult headspace, but just trying to find ways to not stay in that little headspace, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely hard. Um, those, like, for me, it's walking Nala, and that, it definitely helps, especially in summer. It's relatively nice out, besides, like, the current rain. It definitely helps, especially, like, I'm alone in my apartment besides a dog who needs attention. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to probably pick up a whiteboard, though. I like that idea. Yeah. Get some positivity in there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's as much as you can do that um, in cultivating joy right now, I think it's so important, especially with the uncertainty of how much longer we're going to be um, operating under this model, I guess. So Yeah, under these roofs. Um, so yeah. No, it's going to be a while, but yeah, positivity. And yeah, definitely follow her streams and Instagram. Her The stuff that she does is amazing. Yeah, so. her, her knitting projects are definitely... Um, Something to check out. They're very impressive. Very impressive. Um, But yeah, I think that's kind of like where I'm at, where things have been. But I think it's, this is a video game podcast. It's also important to talk about the games that we've been playing as we always do, Ryan. Right? So enlighten the listeners, please. They want to hear about it. So over the last couple weeks since I started the Minecraft server, it's been basically purely Minecraft. So I started that after I finished Ghosts, which I'll talk about in a sec. Minecraft has been my jam. It's been so good to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like having people on the server as well just to play with. Um, brings back the good old memories. Yeah, no, of um, course. And that's probably for you kind of what um, 
like Madden or I'm trying to think like Kingdom Hearts is for me. It's just very comfort food gaming. Yeah, it's definitely good after work to have because it's got the grind to it and then mm-hmm. you can build your house and be like, oh, yeah, I fucking made that. Um, so that's what I've been playing most recently. And then I finished Ghosts. Yeah, what would um, you think? I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I did all the endings. I, I don't know how. What's Charlie? It? Yeah, Charlie got... Platinum. The platinum in like what four fucking days? He's a wizard. I like I'm halfway done with the trophies and I've put in like eighty plus hours. Yeah, I don't know. But as far as combat goes, it just destroys Neo. Like as far as the yeah. stance system, the stance for Neo is like high, uh, medium, and low. For this one, it's more tailored to specific weapon types that you're going to try to counter, opposed to it's mainly focused on damage. So yeah. like. High stance in Neo is higher damage, but I think a little bit slower, and you're more vulnerable. For this in Ghosts, it's whatever the water dance is for shields, for like breaking open shields, and there's a spear one. Um, I really liked it, especially when you're in like a, a giant group is coming at you. And I was playing on the harder, I think after the first region, I was playing on the hard difficulty. Until I unlocked Lethal, which I played in like kind of the final end mm-hmm. of the game. And when you get it down to a science and you're switching stances and everything, it's really smooth. Yeah. It's really fun. I finally unlock, unlocked all of the map, which took freaking forever just riding around <laughs> on my horse. Yeah. But yeah, I'll eventually platinum that game. I think the what I have left is just mainly the quests of like the side characters. Mm-hmm. Um Eventually, you'll play that one. I think that's another God of War for you. It's, yeah, I'll play that in like three years. Yeah, I, I just have to be in the right, I guess, going back to my headspace. I need to be in the right frame of mind yeah. to play something like that and certainly to commit to it. And it was getting to that point when I was playing where I just felt like I was forcing myself to do it. It wasn't that I wasn't having fun. I just wasn't as invested as I was like when I tried to play Horizon Zero Dawn for the first time, just after putting 80 plus hours into Shadow of War, it's like, I can definitely appreciate this world. It's so beautiful. I love the bow and arrow combat system. I love upgrading the bow and arrow. Riding around on these machines is so fun and actually taking command of them is just such a fascinating concept, especially for um, Gorilla that prior to that was making kill zone games. But again, it was just like, I'm not having as much fun and I'm not appreciating this as much as I could be if I was really in that mindset. Yeah. And I felt the same way with Ghost of Tsushima post Last of Us Part 2. I was just like, this this world is absolutely worth exploring. I love kind of the classic um, samurai type filmmaking gameplay style that they have, yeah. especially with like the high noon when you come into combat with someone and it's, you have these like showdowns. I think it was so interesting. Um, the the focus on stealth mechanics, the the different stances that I very much agree far superior to Neo from what I played of Neo. Um, but again, I just wasn't in the right state of mind to really d- dive deep into that game. And I didn't want to force myself, especially because we have a, a platform to talk about video games, come game of the year discussion. I didn't want my lack of being able to get into it affect where I'd rank it among my games of the year. So I just kind of shelved it and was like, you're not going anywhere. I can come back to you. So do you think you'll play it this year? I think so. Um, at least I, I would like to think so. It's tough because like 
We're already in August. We have no idea what's going to happen in the next few months with, uh, and we'll get to this kind of later in the show, with really the big three, what Nintendo's kind of cooking, what Sony's going to do with the PlayStation 5, and certainly whether or not I'm going to get a Series X at this point, just because we'll get to that discussion. So in terms of like what's in my backlog, which is probably going to be what I'm focusing on for the rest of the year, you know, right now I'm playing Witcher 3. I'd like to eventually get back to Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind playing God of War. Uh, the games that I'm, of course, focusing on with my streams. Yeah, I was going to say, streaming's changed how you play games. Yeah, so that's really... I'm only... If I commit to my current schedule with streaming, um, knowing, of course, that there's days that I'm just going to skip because I'm, I'm not in that mood, um, I only have a couple days a week to play games. And obviously, other days of the week when I'm not streaming, I want to hang out with Lauren and just not play games at all. So... The long and short of it to actually get to the root of your your question and answering it, I don't know. I would really like yeah. to, especially because I want to gush at the end of the year with you about it, um, and certainly when I beat it to kind of have a spoiler-filled discussion about it. Yeah, it'd be fun. I just, yeah, I don't know. It remains to be seen, but I guess getting to what's been keeping me from playing Ghosts, or I guess what I've kind of shifted my, my focus and what I've really been able to sink my teeth into is The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt. I never thought I would be able to get into this game um, it had nothing to do with the world. It was just the commitment of um, just the scale of this game is just insane. It's like what two hundred hours? It's all over the place for people. I mean, I think it really comes back to like how much you're going to commit to in terms of like side quests and exploring the whole map, like your your Breath of the Wilds, your Ghost of Tsushima's. Um, like, how invested do you actually want to be? Can you beeline the story? Probably. Uh, especially for playing on a, 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 a an easier difficulty because this game's hard as hell. Like really? I'm on the easiest difficulty and I've gotten my ass handed to me a number of times. Not with boss battles, just run of the mill dudes the and side quests. Yeah, I mean even just like wild dogs or, or wolves that you come into contact with. Um, but I think what I've what I've appreciated about this game most, surprisingly enough, if you're familiar with my my taste in games and how I typically play games, uh, is the story. The story to me is just so gripping. So interesting. I love Geralt as a character. I love how this game is structured in in a way that um, you're trying to find this girl, Siri, who Mm -hmm. for all intents and purposes is Geralt's daughter, not biologically, but certainly he sees her as such and she's gone missing. And so he's kind of gone on this journey, this quest to find her and find out what's what's going on. Um, But what's been so interesting is that you'll get a lead of where she's at and you'll come into a town and you'll kind of be interviewing a person. Uh, recently, with this, the Baron, it was this, this man that I was kind of talking to, he reminded me of um, Robert Baratheon. Oh, he kind of cool. had that same gruff and uh, grisly personality. Um, but he recently had a run-in with Siri, So he tells the story of his interactions with her and then you get to play as Siri and relive those moments. That's... I can't think of another game that does it that way. Yeah, I don't. Maybe maybe Uncharted sorted or or yeah, maybe Spider Man. I mean, Uncharted kind of does more like uh, let's go back to when Nate was a kid type of thing, as opposed yeah. to like, oh yeah, I remember when that one moment happened, and then you literally live that experience. And the really thing that I really have to applaud CD Projekt Red is how incredibly different each character plays. Like Geralt, he's he's very swift and, and, and agile in his combat moves, but he still has a heavier swing of his sword. Yeah. Whereas Siri is just super quick. Like, I, I don't even know how I would compare, but she's just like, 
has this swiftness to her movement, her character okay. movements. Um, and she almost used kind of like a, what's the word? Rapier or like the sword? Rapier. It's rapier. Whereas Geralt kind of has a heavier blade. Yeah, he he's uses. like a silver sword and like an iron sword or something like that. Yeah, so I've, I've really liked that kind of um, juxtaposed storytelling. I mm-hmm. think that's really neat. And I also love when you're exploring the world, whether it's a side quest or a main quest, Geralt's almost Batman Arkham Asylum um, investigation skills. You have like this Witcher sense yeah, that you yeah. hold the tr- one of the trigger buttons and you see um, like a blood trail or you follow someone's scent to the where you need to go to find out, uh, find treasure or just kind of uh, find the enemy that you're looking for, whatever it is. I just love how this game just has so many different ways to play. It's not just like Skyrim where um, you go into a dungeon and you just not mash the the X button or whatever. Um, yeah, it's more spammy with the attacks opposed to well thought out. Yeah, and certainly I would say this is not a game where you can just mash the square button with your sword and get by. Like there's enemies that you really have to find their where they're vulnerable and then make use of the different alchemy uh, spells that you have at your disposal. Uh, like there's this one that was really interesting where I was like. Um, there was this side quest that I was doing and there was this weird spider-like creature, human, golem-looking thing. And I had to use this alchemy spell where I temporarily almost shield them in this circle. Okay. And that's when they become vulnerable. So you slash them with a sword a bunch and then the spell disappears. You have to wait till that kind of uh, charges back up. Uh, but in that, in that time frame, you're having to dodge this enemy otherwise you're going to die and then use the spell again. I don't know. I just I love the the rhythm of the combat, you know, slashing of the sword, making use of the al- uh, the alchemy spells. It's just really interesting. And then um, more recently, I've just been tuning into um, like Blink and Nolan streams or, or Pete streams and um, just running around the map. Yeah. Because similar to Ghost of Tsushima, how you have those question marks around littered around the map and obviously have to go to that area to find out, is it a fox den? Is it like yeah. a, a, a camp that I can invade? Uh Witcher 3 is structured very similarly. And so I've just been kind of like trying to find all the question marks in different areas of the map before I go to another region where I'll progress the main story. Did you have trouble with those blue guys on like the river bed? Like some of the question marks at the beginning or first area were like fish people kind of? Oh, you're talking about Witcher 3? Yeah. Yeah. They're fucking brutal. Well, that's what I love about the game because it's kind of like what I discovered in my six to eight hours with Breath of the Wild, which if you didn't listen to my, or you didn't tune into my last stream, I gave a hot take about that game. But I, I digress. Well, that's another one on the list of ghosts and like God, of, God War, of War. Yeah, that I need to eventually go back to. Um, but you can get into an area where you just quickly realize I'm not supposed to be here right now. Like I'm going to get fucked up. Yeah, if like I don't rule castle right out the gate. <laughs> if I don't leave right now. So I can really appreciate that where it's just... Um, I don't know. It's just a fun game. I, I love the world. I love the setting. I, it's no secret. I'm a huge fan of those medieval style games where you have your bow and arrows, your swords. I, I just, I eat that stuff up. So I'm really enjoying my time with it. It's probably something I'm going to continue to play for the rest of the year because I'm in no rush to finish the game. I love the side quests. I love that the the folks at CD Projekt Red have built a game in a world and characters so well that you can spend three hours going down a random rabbit hole side quest quest line. All the characters are fully voice acted. It's not some 
shoehorn side quests like, hey, I lost my trinket and my wallet back in this cave. Can you go recover it and then bring it back? Like these are very deep, detailed storylines that you could easily miss and just go go play the main storyline. Yeah, they could almost be main storylines in other games. Oh, yeah. So where would you rank the quality of quests compared to other games, like in the hierarchy of games? What, what's it on par with? Um, It's a hard question out of the bat. Yeah, without- it, it, it's tough to answer because I feel like something like Xenoblade Chronicles, right? Most JRPGs have very fetch questy side quests. Yeah. Because they, it, it's just the trope of a JRPGs, like Tales of Vesperia. It doesn't really matter what JRPG you play. Most of them, I can't speak holistically across all JRPGs. I'm sure there are RPGs out there or JRPGs where there's more involved, deep story-driven story qu- or side quests. Um, but I would say the Western RPG side is when they kind of have more of a focus on deep, detailed, unique and interesting side quests. And I, I don't know if Skyrim and Oblivion necessarily are on that spectrum, but like you look at something like Oblivion or just the Elder Scrolls in general, you have the Dark Brotherhood that you can yeah. go on. You have the Thieves Guild. You have the Mages Guild. These entire side quest storylines that you don't have to play. They're there if you want them, but otherwise you can just beeline the main story and never touch those things. So I think when compared to, let's just say, Skyrim and Oblivion, if we're looking specifically at the Mage Guild type stuff or the, the Thieves Guild and those types of things you can you can get involved in or sink your teeth in. I would say it's absolutely comparable. Um, but again, when even just pigeonholing yourself with Dark Brotherhood or Thieves Guild, the overall the overarching theme of those quests are very much the same. Whereas Witcher 3, I would say pretty much every side quest I've done at this point is very different and unique. Yeah. Interesting. So, but yeah. Yeah, I played maybe, I don't know, I spent an entire day on it, so like five or six hours. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a fully opened world map or is it segmented into smaller zones? It's segmented into like regions. Okay, zones. that's what I was thinking it was. Um, so eventually you'll get the ability to travel to those other regions. But another unique thing too is you might open the map and see there's a little island in the center. And you can literally take a little sailboat and get your butt over there, you know, sail over there and see what's there. There could be nothing, but there could be a bunch of loot that you can eventually get. And typically there's monsters, of course, guarding it. Um, But yeah, from what I've seen, they're pretty generous with the map size and how much you can explore at any given time. I I didn't get past the first region because I think I talked to some guy in some castle or in some like hideout area to find I don't know I, I can't think of names the wizard girlfriend um but does it feel like it's a hindrance that it's regions or is it fleshed out enough that you don't lose that o- fully open world feel I, I certainly don't feel like restriction restricted in okay. any sense um you know Skyrim I think what's so great about those games is that you can just set a marker on the other side of the map and just walk yeah, or hop on a horse and just ride. Whereas Witcher 3 is, it does have like regions that you kind of can't go to until the main quest pushes you there. But again, there's so much stuff to explore on this map or region that I'm on now. I think um, Velen is what I'm at. I need to go to Novigard or Novigrad to progress the story next. 
Um, but I'm not anxiously anticipating Novigrad because there's so much in Velen that I'm looking forward to exploring and finding. Well, any game that gets you to pay attention to the story, I think, is a win. It is, yeah, <laughs> especially because typically that's just like your Naughty Dog games and Spider-Mans yeah. of the world. And beyond that, I'm kind of just like, yeah, I'll, I'll veg out as I play uh, Tomb Raider or Dishonored. Skyrim or... Skyrim or whatever. Even having an open world RPG, have you care about the... I mean, can you... I guess you, Skyrim's quest line's pretty easy to remember. I, honestly, I couldn't tell you a main character in Skyrim's name. You know, like, I, I don't remember that stuff. Dovahkiin. Yeah, I mean, beyond that, I don't I don't know, so... Um, Rothgar. Actually, High Rothgar is the mountain, but... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really enjoying that, but... um, I played another game this week, Ryan. What was that? Oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, you did. <laughs> so... I, uh, in talking to Blink, Blink's getting a lot of shout outs this episode. What's up, Blink? What's up, Blink? We're, we're here for you, man. Um, last week, maybe it was a couple weeks ago, I was just talking in his chat and just, I sw- he was seriously like the priest and I was just giving all of my gamer confessions that I haven't played like all of these <laughs> games that he considers to be some of his favorites. And one of those games was Journey. That game company's uh, indie game that came out in 2012, I think it was, on PS3. And um, I also know that it's one of Pete Doerr's favorite games. But for whatever reason, back in 2012 when it came out, I was in college, I just never played it. Um, not that I didn't have interest in it, I just didn't play it. I never really read into it. The only exposure I had to it was here or there I had heard some songs because of the many video game compilations that I listen to or music compilations that I listen to while working. So I figured, let's do this. Let's sit down on Sunday, last Sunday, and let's play this game. So of course I made an announcement. I posted on Twitter. I posted on Discord. And I started playing this game. And I booted it up and thankfully had a great showing. A lot of people came out to support and just kind of spectate this, this masterpiece of a game. I never would have, I never could have expected or anticipated what I would end up playing. It was, I think I just came in shy of under two hours is where I clocked in yeah. gameplay wise or game time wise. It was just one of the most unforgettable, beautiful, heart-wrenching, joyful, happy gaming experiences I've ever had in my entire life. When I talk about the favorite games, my favorite games of all time, Kingdom Hearts, The Last of Us, Final Fantasy XIII, The Walking Dead Season 1, Banjo-Kazooie, Perfect Dark, like all of those games come to mind. But if we're talking, and I have to differentiate the two, I think it's very important to, to separate these two different things. There's favorite games of all time, and then there's favorite gaming experiences, because Fable 2 for me, when I was streaming that, I talked about that's one of my most, uh, like I can never forget the experience I have playing that game because it just showed up in my life at the right time. Yeah. I was struggling with stuff, right? But then there's the games that you just you just fall in love with that are just become your favorite games like Kingdom Hearts for me. I think I can say definitively a week removed that Journey is absolutely my favorite experience playing a video game. That's big. And for so many reasons, I'll try and be articulate with with what I with with my thoughts here and and why it's become my favorite gaming experience. But 
The first thing was just playing it in front of an audience. If I played this game by myself on a Sunday afternoon, I don't think it would have hit it would have hit it would have hit as hard as playing in front of 10 to 15, 18, however many people were there that day in chat. The second thing is that the person that has inspired me for so many years, I probably would have never started a YouTube channel, never would have started a podcast, probably never would have been on Twitch streaming if it wasn't for Pete. I wouldn't have been a human without Pete. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, I, I don't think, literally though, I don't know if I would have ever done YouTube and gone on these content creation endeavors that I have if it wasn't for him because I just looked up to him so much. Yeah. So when I started playing the game 20 minutes in and Pete shows up, my face just lit up and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Pete is here and he even commented in the chat, Rusty blind playthrough or blind playthrough of Journey, Rusty cherished this moment. And I was like, you know, Pete, I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to remove the 3D platformer cap and really just immerse myself in the experience and not worry about collecting all of the little runes or relics or whatever it is in the game. And then five minutes after that, I leap off of this bridge of sorts and this little um, person, this this other character, someone else around the world playing the game at the exact moment I was, pops out of the sand. They call them companions in Journey. And I'm going to, I want this to be abundantly clear. I'm going to try and be as spoiler-free as possible because I don't... This is a game you want to go into blind. You want to play this game having zero knowledge of what happens because it's just so special. And it's very much left up to the interpretation of the player for what the story is. But this companion was wandering kind of aimlessly around. And so Pete and Blink and others in the chat who have played the game, Josh too, they were saying like this person is a first-time player of Journey which Pete was saying is the ideal experience because then you have two people who are wandering this world trying to get to the top of this mountain. There's really no spoilers there. That's what Journey's about. You play as this nameless character making, no pun intended, a journey to this mountaintop. And so I wander through this entire game with this companion, of course thinking that it's the same person, but I don't know because Blinken and... Pete were saying that like when they were playing the game, they thought they had the same companion the whole game, but then by the end of it, when the credits rolled, it said the companions that you came into contact with, and it listed like three to five names. So what was so mind-boggling is that a game that was an hour and 45 minutes long for me, there were moments where if you get too far away from your companion, you lose them. They drop from your game. They drop from your server, and you never see them again. And there were moments where I literally thought I had lost my companion because I I walked the opposite direction when I should have been moving forward. They continued to move forward, particularly in this area that was very dark and there were kind of these little tubes that you were kind of walking through. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I lost my little friend. I kept calling him or referring to this, this nameless character as little friend. And I just remember freaking out. I'm like, oh my gosh, I lost my best friend. Because they somehow, with this game, not even force you, it's so organically done, you create this bond with this character because you can communicate with this weirdo language where you press the square button or whatever it is and you have this like little um, hieroglyph symbol on top of your head that's completely unique to you. So that you know if another character comes in or you find a different companion, if their way of communication symbol is different than the one you were talking to prior, well, you have a new companion that you're going through the game with. So I just remember like reuniting with them and tearing up like, oh my gosh, like 
how heart-wrenching would it have been if we if we went our separate ways and we never united. It was just so beautiful. And so by the end of the game, there's just this moment where you feel so hopeless. You feel like you've lost in a certain sense. And then the light flips on, I guess is how I would describe it. And the, what transpires after that was what really solidified this as being one of my favorite gaming experiences. And I go back to a quote that I talked about earlier um, in our podcast run. It was a couple episodes ago. Uh, Austin Winnery on the Play, Watch, Listen podcast with Alana Pierce and Troy Baker and Mike Bithell, he was talking about how Spielberg always talked about John Williams saying that in the movies that they did together, where John Williams composed the soundtrack and, of course, Spielberg directed, he said, I could always, I never had an issue bringing a tear to the audience member's eyes. But it was always John Williams who made those tears fall. And likewise, that game company, um, the the director, I think, uh, is Genova Chen, he very easily brought tears to my eyes many times. But it was Austin Winnery's soundtrack that just, the tears just started falling. And it was, I don't know if I have a comparable game that made me feel this way. I really don't. Because I literally went from feeling hopeless to so much joy and happiness. And once the credits rolled and the song that plays is just mind-bogglingly good. It's it was just it was so special. And I just I'm going all over the place now, but <laughs> it, it I don't know how reliving it. Yeah, I mean it was just it was just so special, I guess is the only way that I can describe it. It was just so good. Yeah. Uh, hopefully someday I'll have a gaming experience that can Rival that. Plus, you had Pete subscribe to you, which made your world. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it was just... Um, it certainly was my most memorable Twitch stream to date, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I guess another thing that just kind of popped in my brain was um, on the most recent episode of Play, Watch, Listen, Austin Winnery, who's just a fascinating person to listen to, by the way. He's just such an interesting individual and his opinions and the way he describes things are just so almost mesmerizing he's just a very interesting person to listen to but he was talking about um when he was approached by Genova Chen and when he was working on Flow which is kind of a trilogy of games that that company game that that game company has has created Flow Flower and and then Journey Genova was talking about how uh he wanted to um maybe it was Geneva no Genova yeah he was talking about how he wanted to create mature games back when they were making Flow. And what he told Austin was, I need to be abundantly clear. When I say mature, I'm not talking about like high polygon, um, like higher polygon tits and ass or dudes yeah. that run around and slay zombies and say fuck. He's talking about games that you play when you're 20, you play when you're 30 and you play when you're 40 and you have a different experience each time because you're in a different chapter of your life when you play it and you interpret different you interpret things about the game differently and they hit you differently mm-hmm. and i have to think like what would have happened if i played this game when i was just an insecure kid trying to find his way in life in 2012 going through college as opposed to 8 years later now when i'm married i have a job whatever else um 
and what's going to happen eight years from now, 10 years from now, when I hopefully can revisit Journey and play it again when maybe Lauren and I have kids, you know, I just, I've experienced different things in life. I, I've matured in certain sense, you know, I don't know, but like, it's just, I think it's interesting to think about games in that sense where I think games like Journey radically changed and molded people's perspectives about what video games could be, right? Because to that point, there was absolutely an indie scene, but not to the I don't I don't think there was indie games like Journey to that yeah, point. To that caliber. Yeah. Because I think it's safe to say that Journey wouldn't exist if you didn't have games like Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, because I think it draws inspirations from those games in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. But then similarly, I don't know if you've you've had games like What Remains of Edith Finch or Night in the Woods or Oxen Free and things of that nature today if it wasn't for something like Journey that just, I think, allowed people that had these creative ideas to to see something like Journey and think like, oh my gosh, like we can do something similar. Like I can tell my story now. I don't know. I just think it's something really, really interesting. Yeah, it's always cool to see an indie game pop out and become, I don't know if phenomenon is a good word, but held to such a high esteem Mm -hmm. so you said it was a part of a trilogy are the other like flow held in high regard or is journey kind of the main breakout kid of that i think flow and both both flow and flower i think had were held in very high regard but i think it was journey that really pushed that game company over the edge and really solidified their place on the video game map are they still making stuff now I don't know if that game company has made anything since, to be honest with you. I, I don't know that answer. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if they come up with the new game, what it, how similar it is to their past works. Yeah. Yeah. No, but Journey was something else. And if you, um, if you miss my stream, definitely I'd encourage you to go back and, and, and watch it. It's on, it's on twitch.tv slash Ari Lewis 2011. Um, yeah, go back and watch the VOD. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, watching you play made me want to actually play it, so... Yeah. Someday. Someday. Are you good if we move on to some hot off the presses news, though? Yeah, let's do it. So, we can't not... (laughs) (laughs) You're just like, fuck. All right, we're doing this. Yeah, I don't don't think we can, like, not talk about this. Um, It's definitely very unfortunate... Uh, I think it was around Wednesday, and the yeah, literally, I think this is August eleventh, twelve p.m. The Halo Twitter account said that um, Halo Infinite development update. Uh, the long and short of it is that Halo Infinite has been delayed until next year. Um, I think it's just important to kind of share our thoughts. What does this mean for the Series X launch? Um, this system moving forward, and all of that good stuff. But you mind if I quickly read? Um, the announcement by the team. Sure. So this comes through studio head Chris Lee of Halo Infinite. Uh, I assume 343 Studios. He says, Today I want to share an important Halo Infinite update with the community. We have made the difficult decision to shift our release release to 2021 to ensure the team has adequate time to deliver a Halo game experience that meets our vision. The decision... The decision to shift our release is the result of multiple factors that have contributed to development challenges, including the ongoing COVID-related impacts affecting us all this year. 
I want to acknowledge the hard work from our team at 343 Studios who have remained committed to making a great game and finding solutions to development, ch- to development challenges. However, it is not sustainable for the well-being of our team for the, or overall success of the game to ship this holiday. We know this will be disappointing to many of you, and we all share in that sen- sentiment. The passion and support the community has shown over the years has been incredible and inspiring. We wanted nothing more than to play our game with the community this holiday. The extra time will let us finish the critical work necessary to deliver the most ambitious Halo game ever at the quality we know our fans expect. Thank you for your support and understanding, Chris Lee. Ryan, what are your initial thoughts about this? Well, it's good for Halo fans. It sucks for Microsoft fans. Um, That was kind of their main IP that they're launching or they're trying to use to sell um, Xbox Series Xs. Mm-hmm. Um, you can buy it on the PC, but that's kind of the main kind of push that they're trying to use. Um, so it, it really sucks that that's now delayed. Um, I they're Obviously, I think they mentioned that they're not pushing back the launch of the Xbox. Um, it's still going to be in November, but yeah... It sucks for selling consoles. For yeah, sure. um, I applaud Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, because he was quoted in an interview earlier this year. I think with um, oh, he's at IGN. I already his name escapes me. Um, Ryan, not McCafferty. That's Gosling. Someone that uh, is a running back in the NFL. Um, Ryan <laughs> something. I I can't remember his last name, but he wrote a really nice piece on IGN. Um, just talking about how like this is a real bummer, but it's also the right move, which I 100% agree with because um, Phil Spencer earlier in the year, and he quoted him in this article saying that there was no game that was going to delay the release of Series X, the console itself. They were going to release that console this holiday season, and he had to walk the tough walk on Wednesday by sticking to his guns and saying that, hey, even though Halo Infinite's delayed, we're releasing the Series X. This sucks on multiple levels. I think delays are 100% okay. I encourage development teams to delay their games because I don't want to play a half-baked game. I also don't want the development team to crunch extraordinarily crazy hours to get a game out the door um, that is going to be a half-baked anyways. The sad thing is that Halo Infinite's a AAA game. So my guess is the crunch is is not... in any way changing it's just being extended for them is my guess i think they mentioned that they're trying to avoid crunch yeah no that was in in the piece here that they want to take the burden off of the teams um and kind of extend it so that they can make the game the halo game that fans expect which again i encourage all development teams to do that i think animal crossing new horizons being a perfect example wait to release that game until it's ready and it's by the way animal crossing new horizons in three to four months that it's been out, has sold 22 million copies. Yeah, it's that's a crazy. 30% attachment rate to Switch consoles. That's insane. In three months. Has it only been three months? Yeah. It is, I think, the second best selling game for Switch behind Mario Kart 8 that sold 26 million copies. Shit. And by the way, Mario Kart 8's been out for like two or three years at this point. And they're continuing to add stuff to Animal Crossing 2, which is. Yeah, that game is. 
going to sell a Games game as a service. through the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, Last of Us Part Two being another example. Originally, it's supposed to be released in February, then May, and then delayed again to June. But again, the difference Cyberpunk here... Cyberpunk 2. Cyberpunk is another example, but the difference here being that for the past 12, 18 months, maybe two years... Microsoft has been at the forefront of Series X marketing saying, hey, Series X is basically synonymous with the future of Halo, Halo Infinite, Halo 6. Like this console and Halo Infinite are like one in the same thing. So it's it's got to be heartbreaking for both the executives at um, at Microsoft, but also people's desires to buy a Series X this fall. Like my... My choice of buying either a 1X or Series X remains unchanged because I'm not buying that console to play Halo Infinite. Yeah. I'm buying it to play Rise, Son of Rome, Sea of Thieves, Rare Replay, Sunset Overdrive, Halo 5, which I missed out on, Halo the Master Chief Collection. So this in no way affects me in the grander scheme of things because if they were going to release Halo and basically packages and say, hey, you're going to get the single player campaign to start. We'll work on the multiplayer to get that next year or vice versa um, or deliver the single player campaign in chapters or whatever they had uh, in mind doing for release this fall to get it out in time. Stop. Get that out of here. Make the Halo game that we want. Make the Halo game that I don't want to sound entitled, but that we deserve, if you will, because Let's think about this. 343, have they really made a great Halo game? I don't know no. if they have because Halo 5 was questionable at best. Halo 4 was fun, but I don't remember people singing that game's praises like Halo 3. Like, Halo 3 was fucking amazing. Yeah, and that was at, like, the peak of Xbox. And I don't want to speak out of turn here, but let's just think about the 360 generation. We got Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, which I think is criminally underrated, Halo Reach... Halo Wars, and Halo 4. We got five Halo games last generation. I guess two generations ago at this point. Um, That's neither here nor there. I'm getting off track. I think it's just, it really sucks because now, I guess the question becomes, how does Microsoft recover with the Series X next year? Because um, I don't want to get into like the console war comparison game, but um, if we're talking like this holiday season, who's going to buy what? If PlayStation 5, if Sony can come out realistically with Ratchet and Clank, Gran Turismo, and Spider-Man Miles Morales before the end of the year, they are going to do very well for themselves. If Nintendo comes to the um, to the table with any inkling of a Mario collection, even yeah. if it's just Mario Sunshine HD and Mario Galaxy 1 and 2, game over. Those That will sell 5 to 10 six million copies easy no questions asked yeah. I, I just don't think there's any reason to buy a series x at this point for people that aren't me that are buying it to play banjo kazooie in hd like yeah especially with nothing coming out that's unique to xbox or exclusive to xbox series x within the first two years um and i was thinking about it the second people i mean even a small population buying the series x I get it's supply and demand right now because they stopped production of the old uh, Xbox One. But when they the old owners of the Xbox One start selling them off and they don't have a monopoly on the current stop of production, the price is going to significantly drop of yeah. the old Xboxes. 
especially if they can play any new game that comes out for two years. That's it's going to be a hard sell for invest five hundred dollars for no unique games right off the bat when we know Halo's PC eventually, and we can play everything on uh, Xbox on PC. Yeah, I guess again for me, if I'm just speaking party of one, Rusty's opinion here, the Halo Infinite delay isn't a big deal for me as a single person gamer here um, because I'm perfectly fine buying Series X as a backwards compatibility machine mm-hmm. um, but I'm not the masses which I guess is where the problem stem or problem lies for, for Microsoft and, and how do you sell Series X because God bless them if Cyberpunk gets delayed until next year because I feel like that and Assassin's Creed those are both the two remaining like AAA games yeah because you have the medium and a couple other like smaller indie titles but your Fortnite players and your people that buy Madden and NHL every year where they're asking their moms like the 12 and 14 year olds they're not buying or asking their parents for Series X for Christmas to play the medium like that's just not happening um they want the new Halo because all their buddies are playing the new Halo um or cyberpunk in the new assassin's creed so if those two games get delayed i just don't know what happens but then you got the other the other side of the coin is what is sony's um halo infinite equivalent because i don't think they have one at launch no. miles morales for sure um i think is a big one because spider-man is the the third best-selling ps4 game or something like that like people yeah. are going to be there for that um but but, halo is a dynasty it's not a franchise. It's a dynasty. Like, it's... That's like the... I mean, I was middle school, maybe, when we had Halo 1 and then Halo 2 and all the online. I mean, people skipped... Holy shit, I think, what, what kind of classes were you taking at, uh, like, 8 years old? That game came out in 2001. It was 19 years ago. When right? I was in college, <laughs> in 2001, I was in grad school. Um, yeah, when I wrote on the Saturn V... Fuck, I don't know time. Um, but like a, everyone, a everyone thing. skipped school for Halo Three. I'm oh my god! Like that was such a huge. It was, uh, yeah, it was basically a holiday. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't. Again, I think people that listen to this podcast probably think like, oh, there go Rusty and Ryan again, those PlayStation fanboys. Um, that's not what I'm trying to to make myself out to be. I just I want to play great games. Um, I don't care what console or machine I'm playing those great games on. I just want to have fun times with video games. Um, more than anything, I wanted to bring this up because my heart breaks for uh, for Microsoft because I that, would have loved to have played Halo Infinite with friends this holiday season. That would have been a blast. In couch co-op. It's just, I, I can't imagine that phone call between the two CEOs. Like, hey, Microsoft, we're uh, delaying Halo. Yeah. Fuck. Like, that probably was not a good day. Yeah, it sucks, for sure. Um, but they're capitalizing on Game Pass, and I think yeah. that's huge, and people are buying into that, and I, I will too, once I have an Xbox whatever. Whatever I end up getting in the family of Xbox consoles, I can't wait to dip my toes into literally thousands of games available at the, the press of a button. Yeah. I think that's... It's a monumental achievement in video games in this industry to have basically the Netflix equivalent streaming service for games. Um, I'm absolutely looking forward to that. Um, it just really sucks to see uh, Halo Infinite get delayed. 
Uh, and also the fact that Microsoft comes forward and says, oh yeah, by the way, our, our console's coming out in November. It's like, fuck, what day in November? And how much is it going to cost? <laughs> yeah. We're almost in September. In, in Sony too, it's like, Ryan and I talked last episode that didn't end up getting um, released. We talked for like 30 minutes about the PlayStation State of Play, which was fun. I mean, there was good times. Crash 4 looks great. Uh, you can play the whole Hitman trilogy in, in VR. Um the Pathless looks like a fun Breath of the Wild, almost archery-like indie title um, with Zelda-like boss battles. A lot of great gameplay for a lot of fun-looking games. Yeah. But again, no news about the, the release of PlayStation 5. It's like papal. Uh, I, I think they're playing chicken um, on who's going to release first. Didn't Microsoft, I don't know if we talked about it, say that they're going to wait until uh, Sony releases their numbers? They want to release after? I don't think that's the exact quote. I think... Um, Rough paraphrasing? I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Phil Spencer and the Microsoft um, execs are kind of waiting for PlayStation to come out and say, hey, the PS5 is $500 and um, the discless disc system is 400 or 450 or whatever because Xbox has the ability to undercut their console. They're at yeah. a place financially because it's Microsoft where they can right the wrongs of the Xbox One where they say, hey, actually our console's $100 more than the PS4 just so you can get the future of technology connect, which we all know is a commercial failure. Yeah. That- um, so I think they're trying to right that wrong by saying, hey, your PS5 with the disc uh, hard drive is 500 Well, we're coming in at 400 with our Series X. Our Series S which is basically, in my opinion, I haven't announced it, but the Lockhart, whatever you want to name it, is going to be a streaming box. It's basically going to be a $250 to $300 machine where you have Game Pass and cloud gaming and whatever other doodads and knickknacks they're talking about these days. And there will be no disk drive. It will literally just be a machine that you can take wherever you want to be able to stream and play all the games Game Pass has to offer, again, at the click of a button. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully they release it soon. I mean, fuck, it's already mid-August. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't I don't think I'm going to get either of the consoles at launch. Um you were going to get Xbox. Yeah, and I think um, I still will. I mean, I don't want to pay 500, but if they come in at 400 for the Series X, I can do that. Yeah. I'll make that happen. If anything, I'll probably get the older generation cuz you could still play um, well, no, I mean, I'm there right there with you. If I could get a 1X, no questions asked, and walk into GameStop or, or Walmart and not get a... I worry about getting a refurbished model. I want something new. I just... If you, I'm going to drop 300 bones, $400, I want to get a new console out of the box. Understanding that a new console can have issues too. Yeah. I don't know who owned this refurbished model. I don't know the problems they may or may not have experienced. And I don't want to get into a place where like two years from now, the Xbox breaks and I have to surf ebay to find another one you know i want to at least be guaranteed to the best of my ability five plus years with that machine yeah no that's fair um especially paying for that large or paying five hundred dollars or something like that yeah um yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see what actually unfolds um hopefully nintendo drops something um, that would be great. Mm. But Spider-Man, 
I would love to see that at launch. I would love to see the reaction. And you had mentioned that um, it's going to be a full game opposed to like a DLC spinoff. Yeah. So earlier in the week, um, Entertainment Weekly, they must have gotten some kind of deal to talk to the people developing uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Uh, also, there's an article out there. You can find it. They also talked about Spider-Man being exclusive to the Avengers game. Uh, and by exclusive, I mean exclusive to PS5 or PS4, whatever that's coming out on. Um, but anyways, he kind of broke the details of some of the stuff that Miles Morales, because when people were talking about it earlier on, certainly post the future of gaming uh, showcase that PlayStation had when they were showing all their the PS5 games, Miles Morales was kind of thought to be the equivalent, the equivalent of post Uncharted 4 that Lost Legacy was more of like a 10 to 12 hour, kind of a bite-sized snack as opposed to a complete game. Yeah. You know, like maybe a $40 little adventure, kind of more of a more than DLC, but not a full game. Well, based on the game's director, um, that doesn't seem to be the case. So a couple quick bullet points that Nibble pointed out on Twitter. He said, it sounds like Peter will show up um, to train together with Miles. That'd be really cool. Which would be amazing. Uh, Miles is, quote, his own Spider-Man with his own animations, movements, and abilities, including Bioshock and invisibility. So I love cool. I love that he's going to have very specific mechanics um, outside of what Peter could do. Yeah. Because that's just going to make his character more unique, and it'll feel fresh for people like us that already played Spider-Man for 40-plus hours or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and then the last quote by Horton, which I assume to be one of the game's producers or directors, says... It is a complete story. And I think if you read the whole article, he talks about how um, this will be kind of a complete arc for Miles, just as Spider-Man was a complete arc for Peter. All of that gives me so much hope for that game and that it's going to be... Here's what I think is maybe just a little bit frustrating. So when you look at something like Lost Legacy and you see, you say it's not a complete game because it's... It's not in comparison as long as something like Uncharted 4, which was maybe 15, 18, 20 hours. Lost Legacy takes maybe 8 to 10. But then you look at something like The Last of Us, the first game, and that only took like 8 to 12 hours. But like if that came out with the PS3 or with the PS4 as a launch title, that would have been a system seller because that's 8 to 12 really, really good hours. Like I don't need a bunch of fluff. Necessarily. Yeah, quality over quantity. Yeah, I mean, you look at something like Journey. That game made me feel more feels than probably any game I've ever played, and I beat it in an hour and 45 minutes. So I don't need some meaty 30 to 40 hour, 40 hour Spider-Man game to cause me to buy the PS5. Yeah, it's not about the length. It's about the quality of what you've got. Exactly. So, um, But, I mean, his point about it being a complete story and not just some like three to five DLC thing mm-hmm. gives me hope for what that game actually is. But I mean, even if, you know, Miles Morales comes out in December, that's not November where we presume to be the PS5 launch. So who knows what they're going to have at launch at this point? I hope that in the next two or three weeks, I don't even think you can wait until September. Like we need to know before the end of August when these consoles are coming and how much they're going to cost. Because I have to believe that retail outlets are losing their minds right now wondering when consumers can come in and start pre-ordering these things yeah i'm it's probably going to be a nightmare so 
It's interesting. I'm sure it's going to be cause for lots of interesting discussion over the next several weeks, um, whether it's Microsoft or whether it's Sony. Um, you know, Josh Frantic, he posted something in the Discord last night about um, Sony having one more trick up their sleeves for a launch game and what that could potentially be. And I'm thinking, you know, we kind of went back and forth last night about it. I don't think it needs to be Uncharted big, but to have something like Ape Escape or Twisted Metal that has a lot of longtime PlayStation fan um, love behind it, like it's not going to be a system seller, but I think it's a compliment to something like Ratchet and Clank or Gran Turismo or whatever else they have at launch. So um, I don't know. This is going to be one of the wildest video game launches console launches in quite some time yeah it'll be interesting to see it how it all plays out if we're even close maybe microsoft has a trick up their sleeve i hope they do are you kidding i do me? too like if ignition whatever game they're currently working on i think that's the name of the developer again i'm speaking party of one what rusty and his pipe dreams would love if they're working on a perfect dark game for xbox and that game comes out in spring of next year like that would just that'd be so huge they need something to soften the blow of infinite getting delayed which again i think is a great idea and it it makes perfect sense delay that game till it's perfect especially if it coincides with the 20 year anniversary of halo comet evolved releasing i think that just makes perfect sense but have something to kind of again soften that blow and that hurt to what the series x is because if we don't get Halo Infinite until fall of 2021, that's that's a rough year of Series yeah, X that's a because really rough year. I think everything they showed in the Xbox Game Showcase is far off in terms of the, the heavy hitters, your your fables of the world, your Halo Infinites of yep. the world, beyond the medium and some of those smaller titles that are coming out in the launch date or launch window of Series X. Um, I want nothing but success for them. I have to make it abundantly clear. I want to play great video games. I don't care the machine it's on. I already said it earlier. Um, Especially when Microsoft owns Rare, one of my favorite video game developers dating back to the Super Nintendo and N64. So if they could make something to the caliber of Perfect Dark and reboot that franchise, that would be music to my ears. Yeah, I wish them luck. (laughs) <laughs> we'll see how it goes we both do um yeah. you look like you're slowing down big time you okay dude i just had some pizza yeah like, yeah i got the carbs going okay well what do you say we um we transition to talk about uh questions i'm ready from our listeners yeah. because I do thought, we want to talk about nintendo yeah we can do that i, I just figured like uh, you were uh getting a little sleepy no over i'm there. still paying attention you're still paying I, attention. I tone you out usually but like yeah i'm still listening okay well i'm enjoying I, the words that you're uttering from those sweet lips. Okay, well, <laughs> I'll just keep talking. Yeah. Hopefully the listeners will keep listening. Yeah. Hopefully you'll still stay awake. Um, yeah, so Nintendo is definitely interesting. Ryan and I must have talked for 10, 15 minutes in the last episode that we didn't get to release. It was you know, a good conversation. Though. It was great conversation, yeah. What are they doing this year? Um, do they have anything in store outside of Animal Crossing and Paper Mario Origami King, and a Wii U port of Pikmin 3 that I probably will never buy because the Pikmin series just has never really grasped my attention. Uh, Not that it's not a good series of games, it's just probably not for me. I think I talked about how in the last episode that 
the Pikmin mechanic of kind of controlling all of these little creatures and um, causing them to do all of the different things that you need them to do to whether it's to solve puzzles or to fight enemies or just progress whatever gameplay is going on there that as the sole mechanic of a game doesn't really interest me but when it's paired with something like Kena and the Bridge of Spirits to be a 3D platformer in a very mystical world with really wonderful beautiful art style which by the way Pikmin looks beautiful uh, but when you complement 3D platforming with the Pikmin type stuff, which Kana yeah. Bridge of Spirits seems to do, that seems far up my alley or more up my alley. Um, but getting Pikmin 3 in more people's hands is just a great thing. So I'm happy for them to do that. But if that's all they have for 2020, wow, that's going to be sad. Um, when you when you look at years like 2017, which if people have forgotten, in 2017, there's a little system called the switch that released and in the nine months because it came out in march i believe if i'm not mistaken you got breath of the wild one two switch mario kart 8 deluxe arms splatoon 2 mario and rabbids kingdom battle soundtrack composed by grant hercope (laughs) pokey poken tournament dx fire emblem warriors super mario odyssey snipper clips xenoblade 2 and i think that's it That's all like first party type stuff. That really sounds like the Xbox Series X launch title lineup. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's just been a strange year for Nintendo. Certainly COVID is probably having an effect on what they they had planned to release. I don't think there's any um, any doubt about that. I, I think... It also, maybe they just didn't have a lot planned for this year. Maybe they were just going to ride the coattails of Animal Crossing, draw mm-hmm. Paper Mario, and then maybe potentially to coincide with the Mario anniversary, we're going to get a Mario HD collection. See, that's all. I, yeah. I mean, Animal Crossing was my jam for like 300 plus hours. Um, so I was fine with only that Nintendo title. Um, I would love a Mario remake, especially Sunshine. Um, or really any of them. I would love to play Galaxy. Um, hopefully that's not just rumors and we can actually see something end of this year, even early next year. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter. I just I want to see something. I think it would be huge if they launched or showed a trailer for Breath of the Wild 2. Like if, if they said, hey, date or not, here's where we're at gameplay update i mean they just went through a cinematic trailer last time with zelda and link but if they could give us a little bit of gameplay um that would be like that would be enough like just a trailer yeah we still don't even really know what that game is and i'm speaking out of ignorance because i didn't beat breath of the wild so i don't know where that game has link end up and zelda for that matter where ganondorf or whoever else is in the picture where they're left off as those credits roll. So I don't know where Breath of the Wild picks up story-wise. And certainly from a gameplay perspective, I don't know if they're shifting things to make this a more honed-in, story-driven, linear type experience, or if this is just going to build upon an already existing Breath of the Wild world to say, hey, you thought the playground in Breath of the Wild 1 was big. Look at this. And I also have to wonder too, is this a Mario Galaxy scenario where they just had so much they wanted to do with Breath of the Wild 1. So much they wanted to do with Mario Galaxy 1. They, they were just like, let's just separate this into two different games. See, I'm almost thinking that this is a prequel. 
like Breath of the Wild one was mainly Link or purely basically Link gameplay. Um, and this one could be like a companion journey with Zelda and Link. Almost like an eco scenario with Yorda. Yeah, that would be it would be really interesting because I can't think of a... I mean, I haven't played a bunch of Zelda games, but I can't think of a game that it would have both of those two going through the world together. That'd be interesting. It would be really interesting. And it could be a prequel of how maybe the war started or how uh, Ganondorf was awakened awoken from his slumber or whatever, which kind of looks like in the trailer. It did, yeah. Um, so maybe they Calamity Ganon came from somewhere and this is his backstory on, yeah, just a prequel to Breath of the Wild, how everything was basically dead hmm. 100 years later. I, I mean, really, any more information, that would be huge for Nintendo. Yeah. I, I think what does success look like for Nintendo this year? Um, how about Animal Crossing selling 22 million copies in like three months? Like they don't need to do anything more. Like they didn't even need to drop Origami King or Pikmin 3 or a Mario collection. Anything outside of Animal Crossing is just gravy at this point. Yeah, they um, dropped the mic. Even if I know Animal Crossing is not everyone's jam. I played it for 100 hours and never went back. I don't even know if at this point I will. Um, but those were 100 magical hours. Like those were some really good times, especially on the onset of the pandemic. And it was like a question of is this our new normal? Like, what the heck are we doing with our lives? Like, this is crazy. And Animal Crossing just magically dropped in our laps at probably the most perfect time a video game ever has. Like, I don't was, know. Yeah, it was perfect timing because that was when I just got furloughed. That's right, yeah. And I had three weeks of, like, <laughs> I didn't move from my chair and I was just enveloped in my world, my island. Yeah. Dude, I played that game so, <laughs> so hard. Yeah. It was great. No, it was it was good time. So um so yeah, I don't think Nintendo needs to do anything else. I think it would be really cool though for them to come out um like let's just say the Mario collection is real. We get an announcement that that's coming in late November, early December. But I think also just giving us a taste of what we can expect for next next year. Mm-hmm. Um you know, maybe Pokémon Snap before the pandemic was supposed to be a November game, an October game. And then they were going to have a couple other first party type games like a Mario Golf in the summer or something like that. But because of the pandemic, they were just like, no, let's put everything on pause. Let's drop Origami King and, and Pikmin 3 and we'll be good. People are still playing Animal Crossing. Everything's fine. Mario Kart Deluxe is still selling a million copies every three months. So everything's good. Everything's dandy. Um, but I think, again, going back to what it would it'd be nice to have a taste or a tease, a little glimpse into what we can expect for maybe the first three to five months of next year. You know, I think a Mario Golf would just be so fitting. You know, bring, yeah. I don't even know if Camelot is still a thing, but if they made a Mario RPG similar to what Mario Golf was on the Game Boy Advance or Toadstool Tour on the GameCube, the music in that game is just heavenly. Dude, I. Toadstool Tour, I played into the ground. Like I, I would, game. I would rank there up there with Sunshine. Yeah, I mean that game was amazing. Yeah, so I mean, you know, sprinkle some of those uh, smaller's not doing those games justice, but you know what I mean when compared to something like Breath of the Wild two. Sprinkle in something like Mario Golf to ease us into the year, and then maybe in like a May June time frame have Breath of the Wild two. And I think in a prior episode, it may have been in the episode that we couldn't get uh, recorded or released. I talked about. 
Yeah, and Metroid Prime 4 is probably going to be their big holiday game in 2021. Well, those plans don't seem to be coming. Uh, those stars don't seem to be aligning, Ryan. So it's 2020. No, I'm kidding. No, <laughs> definitely not. So it's tough to interpret what this tweet actually means. But earlier today, earlier this morning, Retro Studios, who's behind Metroid Prime 4 de- development, I think it was um, Takahashi. I can't remember who was either last January or 2018 January timeframe. Um, one of the leads at Nintendo said, hey, we're, press- we're pressing the restart button on Metroid Prime 4 development. We're handing this to Retro Studios, who, who always should have had the development chair for this game. Um, so stay tuned for more, basically. Uh, well, Retro Studios posted on Twitter this morning saying, quote, we're looking for a lead producer to join us on our journey to develop Metroid Prime 4. Hashtag game jobs, hashtag game dev, hashtag game dev jobs, hashtag development hell. I'm sorry, that last hashtag wasn't there. <laughs> I was like, shit, they showed their cards. But um, it's tough to interpret what that means. That could mean just like, hey, we're looking for someone to come in. This game's really polished. We just want someone that has a lot of industry experience, has been around for a while to come in and give some expertise about what could be cleaned up before we launch this game. Yeah. Or it could be, we have no idea what we're doing. This game is in its very infancy stage. And best case, this game comes out in 2022, 2023. I almost envision a what Twilight Princess was to the Wii in uh, GameCube era and what Breath of the Wild was to the Wii U and Switch era, where it releases on both consoles, but it's really meant to be played on the definitive console that was the Switch or the Wii for those two Zelda games. Okay. I mean, it's better to have an ad for a producer than it is, like, freaking EA's tweets like hey we need a monetizer or like a banking executive to figure out our monetization scheme yeah um yeah that's that's a hard one to interpret hopefully next year (laughs) i just hope that the the biggest two games in development for nintendo right now aren't just breath of the wild 2 and metroid prime 4 because if that's the case 2021 could look eerily similar to 2020 in terms of game releases because right now, we don't know anything that's going on from a first-party perspective outside of Metroid Prime 4, Breath of the Wild 2, Bayonetta 3, um, Persona 5, like some of these other third-party type things. What we really need instead of a Mario game is a Dr. Mario game who has the COVID vaccine <laughs> as his main weapon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hopefully... Next year for Nintendo is not the same as this. And they that don't, again, bad. Nintendo doesn't have to do a lot. They dropped three major games this year. Major's a relative term, of course. Um, if they have another Animal Crossing type game next year, whether that's Breath of the Wild 2, Mario Golf, maybe a new Kirby platformer, people still riding the coattails of Mario HD, uh, Super Mario All-Stars, whatever that looks like for Switch collection in December. Like, they're obviously not in trouble. I'm not saying that. But Nintendo's in terms of, going under next year. They're filing for Chapter 11. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of like actually getting hyped for what Nintendo's offerings are... Um, it's really just Pokemon Snap from what we actually know. That too, yeah. I forgot to mention that. So it's a little bare bones right now, but, um, but yeah, they're going to be fine. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I just wanted to bring that up because 
it's kind of hot off the presses and not many people are talking about Metroid Prime 4 right now and I don't think anyone's seen it at this point. No, I forgot the game was a thing, so it's good to know. Yeah. Well, Ryan, at the tail end of the show, we are introducing a new segment to the Otaku Brothers podcast. Awesome. It's not... It's not necessarily new because we've always taken listener questions before, which if you haven't, if you're new here, if you're unfamiliar with the Otaku Brothers podcast, you can write it into the show at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We love getting listener questions, especially when you record yourself and send us an audio question. Those are always good times. Ryan, as we always say, anything that makes the show better, we're all about it. But I figured let's just make this as streamlined as possible, make people or allow people to ask us questions, super easy, because we have a Discord as well. The community is really popping over there. It's yeah. it's good times. We have a lot of new folks in there talking about a whole slew of interesting things. So if you are not in the Discord, I implore you, click the link in the show notes. All you have to do is create an account. It's free, and it's just an extension of this podcast where we talk about really awesome things with really awesome people. I created a channel in that Discord called The Question Block which is going to be kind of um, our new little question segment where people can just pop in and ask us super quick, easy, fast questions with little easy wor- or little work on your part. And when I posted this a couple weeks ago, we got a number of questions, which I was very happy about. Yeah, Some very interesting ones. Uh, one in particular uh, that Blink asked... Literally that night when he he posted that question, I remember staying up late playing whatever the heck I was playing, with The Witcher 3 probably, and I went into bed and I literally just stared at the ceiling (laughs) thinking about it for like two hours before I actually fell asleep. So unfortunately, we are going to be getting a uh, bunch of... I was curious if those were your notifications or mine. Feedback on the Discord. So I apologize for that, but we digress. Let's get into... The listener questions, Ryan. So the first question here comes from Mr. Frantic himself, Josh. If you are not familiar with Josh, you absolutely should be. He records a podcast called Frantic Thoughts. Find it on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. It is one of the best one-man podcasts I've ever listened to. Very entertaining stuff. But he goes on and says, If you had unlimited time to podcast, what other shows would you do? And I assume... He means outside of the context of video games, would you explore other hobbies or topics of discussion outside of this? I'd probably have a knitting podcast. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I can't knit. Don't for, be throwing shade at I, I'm just, this is first. That's literally the first right? thing that came to my mind. Um, I could crochet. I know how to do crochet. You could do a painting podcast. Yeah, I could do that. It's hard without the visuals. I, that's probably lends itself better to like twitch mm-hmm. or youtube even um i don't know i like having i don't know if political conversations would be fun but i think f- philosophical conversations which you and i have quite often yeah just not on here yeah um i find those really interesting just discussing the world and how things work and taking things apart i i find that really interesting space religion the topics that we don't typically dive into here yeah um, but i think you and i do it in such a way where uh it's very cordial it's very civil and even though if we have differing opinions on things it's more just like it's not argumentative it's not we're debating things it's more just like it is the kind of the philosophy of it all. yeah why do you think or you think this why why did, how did you come to that conclusion yeah. or 
What's what are your thoughts on this? Mm-hmm. Like, why do waterfalls fall down and not up? If a tree falls in the forest, does anyone hear it? <laughs> Fuck if I know. Like <laughs> for the number of nights I've stayed up thinking that. Um, yeah, it just questioning reality and I don't know. Are we in a simulation? Stuff like that I could go on for like days. <laughs> like I, I find that stuff to be really interesting. I would definitely probably gravitate to that. I don't know how much I could talk about painting. Like, oh, this is a cool color blue. <laughs> like, awesome. But I think you sell yourself way too short in terms of like, could I ever do Twitch or could I ever uh, entertain people outside of this podcast? Because um, you're someone that like literally takes an idea or takes a misquote by me, whether we're prepping for the podcast or even on the podcast, and you just start running with it and you just start making random jokes to the point where I literally have to say, Ryan, get it together and let's come back to this thought. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking painting though. Painting's a visual. I could definitely probably twitch yeah. and paint, but as far the question was about podcasting, right? Yeah, but I, I think we could extend it. I don't think Josh wants to, you know, pigeonhole us into the discussion could, of podcasting, but I could definitely do a news segment where I'm like, hey, now on I ninety five there's a hot pursuit yeah. and like let's form a human roadblock. <laughs> um <laughs> like I could definitely do that, yeah. but also probably not too seriously. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what I would probably gravitate to. What about you? I think Josh is almost trying to bait me into telling him that I want to do a Fast and the Furious and Disney podcast with him because he's been <laughs> trying to get me to do that for like at least the better the better part of like six to 12 months at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I've kind of already spread myself not too thin, but thin enough where if I took on anything else outside of my already like real life job, like the things that are most important to me would suffer. Yeah. My marriage with Lauren, hanging out with Scooby. At a moment's notice, my dad says, hey, you want to come over and have a couple of beers in the patio and listen to music and complain about whatever, you know, yeah. just talk, throw the football. Like I never want to be so focused and zeroed in on my content creating endeavors that um, the things that matter most in life suffer. You know, I think yeah, that that's, it's so, sure. so important to not, to get lost in that because this isn't a job. This is a luxury thing that you and I can do. It's a hobby outside of what we already do. It's an extension of, yeah, just the things that bring us joy. Video games, music, painting, whatever it is. The podcast, Twitch. um, I'm not really involved in YouTube stuff anymore, but um, I throw my Twitch streams up there. But but yeah, I'm kind of get, I'm losing sight of uh, Frantic's original question, which really was just um, if you had unlimited time. If I had unlimited time, I don't know if I'd do much more than this. I love the podcast and what we're doing here. I love what I'm starting to do on Twitch. I have ideas um, kind of cooking for that. Yeah. But beyond that, like, no, I don't think I really would. I think the only thing maybe I might do is not necessarily for me but I would help Lauren uh, kind of kickstart what she wants to do, whatever that ends up looking like, if that's YouTube or that's Twitch, or if it's neither, you know, if it is just her Instagram thing and I can help continue to create captions or, you know, take fun photos yeah. of, you know, angle the video game collection in certain ways that just makes it fun, unique, and uh, distincts itself from other photos, whatever it ends up being. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you and I could always create different segments of the show to incorporate other things that we love. Yeah, you could always be a guest on my podcast where we talk about the world, or where <laughs> I talk about the world. Yeah, exactly. There's really no... Um, we're not pigeonholing ourselves. Yes, you could be executive producer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. I know it's a good question, Josh. And, uh, but yeah, I would say right now I'm, I'm kind of pretty content with what we're doing here with good. the show and with Twitch, but glad you still care about this podcast. Thank Yeah, dude. Of <laughs> yeah. course. Of course. I care about you. Oh, Cliff, let's not get too sentimental. I don't want people crying or whatever. Cliff writes in and says, when will Ryan stream Dark Souls? I did see that one. Um, see, right now, in the future, I, I would say, um, if anything, not to butt into a potential guest on your Twitch yeah, years from now when we figure out the technology and we get your computer up and running, Yeah, um, that, that would probably be the first time that I would go on and do anything. Um, I'm trying to get back into painting and art stuff now that I have my kind of corner of the internet. Um, so I think that would be kind of what I plan on getting in to in the future. And then depending on how the reception is and yeah, probably in the future. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. Yeah, keep I mean, it vague. Keep you guys wanting more. Yes, exactly. All of this Ryan Left coming your, into your face. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, no, I think Twitch is never something that you know you need to rush right now because I can always have you on whether it's to play Resident Evil Seven or whatever. Halo we, Infinite. Eventually. Yeah, Halo Infinite. Um, some type of cooperative experience that we could do. Like Resident Evil Five would have been fun to mm-hmm. to play co op on Twitch, but yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm, I'm we, in no we rush. Could, we could always do like uh, the Halloween episode, my first resist or uh, Resident Evil run. The what? Like uh, during like the Halloween oh, time Halloween. period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My definitely. run through of being shitting myself playing Resident Evil. I cannot wait to see you play <laughs> yeah. that game. I'm not excited. And what I'd probably end up doing is. Mm. Um, you know, connecting a second mic and be off screen so that yeah. I would just kind of be commentating on particular mo- particular moments like, uh, buckle up, Ryan. Oh, <laughs> just like sowing fear like, into my mind. I can't mind. wait for you to open this door. And just like playing horror music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'd have to figure out a unique lighting situation too because uh, Lauren and I recently got uh, lighting fixtures for both my streaming and then her picture taking. So my lighting should be better on streams moving forward. Uh, but even in addition to that, like... There's multiple uh, color settings on that. that uh, yeah, we just turn off all the lights and underlight my face so it just highlights my face with red. Yeah. And then we'll just, yeah. There is kind of a red tinty type lighting uh, setting on that. That could be a thing. So, yeah, that'd be good times. Um, so that that would probably be, my answer would be the, that would be the first attempt and we'll see where that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Blink, friend of the show, we've mentioned him a number of times. He says... When I need to unwind or de-stress, I usually turn to old gaming podcasts like All Gen Gamers or gaming and collecting YouTube channels. What are your go-to de-stress media outlets? Oh gosh, usually it's just slow and relaxing like techno or even just classical mu- music. Recently, it's just been everyone in the chat streams just lurking there as yeah. backgrounds after work playing with the dog mm-hmm. yeah if i'm really trying to de-stress and just get everything out of my mind it's music it's mm-hmm. nothing with words it's just smooth vibes yeah um 
yeah, I would definitely see that's where I'd, I have a playlist. Um, it's it's not like the was that Steelix song that I I play every time. Yeah, to I don't know piss you off it, <laughs> before we record. But yeah, even some jazz. Yeah, classical is always good though. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. You like video game music? I depending on the soundtrack, I I go for that as well. Yeah, I mean, I have um, I have like a playlist of. It's called. It's titled work music, but it's really just a collection of compilations on YouTube that I have saved. Um, I guess through YouTube, a playlist mm-hmm. or a, just a number of different compilations. Uh, so I tap into that occasionally. Um, I'm not sure if there's one unique soundtrack that I go to. If anything, it would be uh, like if I'm trying to listen to something while working mm-hmm. when I'm really stressed. There's like 10 hour compilations of Oblivion music or that's a good one. Skyrim or Morrowind or just whatever Jeremy Soul brings to the table. Those chill, relaxing, explora- exploration type themes with weather effects in the background like rain falling or birds chirping. Those types of things typically will really kind of settle my stress levels. Yeah. Um, but I would say in addition to that, it's literally Pete Dorr. Like he <laughs> yeah. Yeah. has helped me through, it sounds so strange and weird, but like Pete Dorr, I could be having the literal worst day of my life and I could throw on Kingdom Hearts or whatever game I want to play casually in the background, even if it's Madden or The Witcher 3 and have one of his old eBay streams up or going through his old gaming pickup videos and he just has this calming presence and voice that just kind of brings me back to reality, which is so weird to think of, but I think that's why like I've been supporting him for a number of years financially through through Twitch subscriptions, but like I never think twice about that money coming out of my bank account every month because it's it's set to auto resubscribe yeah. because of like how much he's helped me through not only difficult times, but just how entertaining he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think Pete, the Elgin Gamers podcast, those are big ones. Um, I'm trying to think of like other... Mediums. Yeah, other like maybe YouTubers or videos that I would typically go to. I, I watched the Mind, or was it Hermitcraft? It's just a bunch of people on a Minecraft server mm. who... It's maybe a community of like 20 people yeah. and they all have their separate builds and their community going on. I just put that on in the background because I don't have a significant amount of time to invest into Minecraft, though I wish I did. Yeah. Um, and just seeing their progress because they can shove two, three days worth of progress, like 12 hours of grinding into one 30 minute episode. I'm like, gosh, I wish I could do that. Um, so seeing that progress fulfills my gaming needs on some nights. Yeah, that's um, good stuff. Two Steps from Hell, not all their music is really relaxing. Um, it's kind of like the epic music. Some some of it's kind of upbeat, but if you want to feel like you're about to charge into war and like defeat an army like freaking Achilles mm-hmm. and like build in your Trojan horse, like that's the music you get on. Yeah. Um, probably not the best before bed music, but definitely... If you want to triumph. Good stuff. Yeah. I think the last few that kind of come to mind for me would be Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm -hmm. I've watched that movie literally hundreds of times. When I was in high school, I put that movie on every single night before I went to bed. And it was just kind of helped me go to sleep. To me, it was was background noise. It was white noise. Um, That movie to me is just absolute comfort food TV or movie. uh, Movies. 
And then Toy Story, Emperor's New Groove. Fellowship of the Rings. Fellowship and Mulan. Yeah, I guess those are all, you know, throw, I could go on for days, but I think um, I wasn't even going to bring Fellowship into it, but that's certainly another one that I'd, I'd consider. Yeah. Um, but like I, the Sorcerer's Stone, Toy Story, Hercules and Emperor's New Group. I would say those four are like my biggest go-tos. And especially now with Disney Plus, where I don't even have to finagle with my Blu-rays or DVDs or VHS tapes, whatever. It's just immediate access to those films. Yeah, yeah I would definitely... Like, Fellowship is... I've probably seen that one extended edition, like the four-hour cut, like 50-plus times. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Let's take this opportunity to remind Nolan that he needs to watch the Lord of the Rings films. God, fuck Nolan and his lack of watching Lord of the Rings. Like we love you, Nolan. We're yeah, just like I refuse to show up to any streams until you watch the Fellowship. Like at minimum, <laughs> there's there's a ticket fee. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. I, gosh. Yeah. I can't wait to to hopefully hear your glowing reviews and reaction. Yeah. Fuck. Like you watch Lord of the Rings, at least one. Like probably Fellowship, obviously first. If you watch all three, we'll give you extra credit, and then we'll get you on, and we can discuss Lord of the Rings. Yeah, your first impressions. We would love to have you on the podcast to talk about that. That'd be good times. Um, let's see here. I want to make sure I don't miss any of the questions. Frantic also asks, Rusty, since you are the biggest licensed game fan I know, is Spider-Man on PS4 the best licensed game ever made? And it's an interesting question, Josh, because. License game what does that term can mean be interpreted so many different ways like the you boil it down in almost any game can p- be considered a license games and you almost need to bucket it into types like based on TV shows based on films superhero type games so I had to literally uh, go out to the interwebs and type in what is a license game just to kind of get a textbook definition for people yeah. just so we're on the same page. Licensed games are video games that are based on an existing intellectual property licensed by the game's publisher. They've they've existed as early as 1976 when Sega released the arcade game Fonz, a rebranded version of the game Motocross, featuring the character Fonzie from the TV show Happy Days. Licensed games serve as an appealing avenue for some publishers due to the name recognition that an existing IP may carry, and they're in some ways easier to market than a new unlisted IP. So like Demon's Souls remake is technically a licensed game? No. So Demon's Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Horizon Zero Dawn, those are just new IPs based on an already existing publisher from software. Okay, uh, so the remake aspect under a different publishing no, 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 no. So yeah, let me just retrain your, okay. your thought process here. GoldenEye, Spider-Man 2, Star Wars Battlefront. Those are licensed games because they're they're based on an already existing IP, which is Star Wars. Which so is, like the Lord of the Rings game on the GameCube? That's a licensed game. Okay. Yeah, so I did a little bit of thinking. To get to the matter here, to answer your question, Josh, yes. I think Spider-Man is probably my personal favorite licensed game but i almost have to separate it into like it's the best superhero game because nintai even came in and said i don't know arkham asylum and arkham city are strong contenders for best licensed game which i agree i would say spider-man 2 on the ps2 gamecube xbox in my opinion was the best superhero game to ever grace consoles video game consoles to that point and then when batman arkham asylum came out i was like oh my gosh this is the real deal. This is the next best superhero game. And then Arkham City one-upped it again with the open world outside of the confines of Arkham Asylum 
And then, of course, Spider-Man was just blew all kinds of minds and childhood dreams of flying through New York City yeah. um, when I, that I thought Spider-Man 2 already did so well. This just took everything to the next level. But it goes without saying, too, that like some of my favorite licensed games are like GoldenEye on the N64, Simpsons Road Rage, Simpsons Hit and Run, Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb, the Harry Potter games. There's so many games that I could go on and on and on. I almost have to, again, go back to bucketing it to licensed games based on movie franchises, licensed games based on childhood TV shows, licensed games based on superhero films or superhero characters, because Kingdom Hearts, in a roundabout way, is a licensed game because there's Disney characters within those uh, within that universe. Yeah. So uh, it's it's an interesting question. It's kind of a cyclical debate whether Spider-Man's the best or because Kingdom Hearts is technically a licensed game, that's the best. Yeah. Um, but I think to just end the conversation, yeah, Spider-Man's probably the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this last question, Ryan, from Blinkoom himself, uh, this is the one I wanted to save for last because I, I, I felt like it was a good way to kind of cap off the episode. Uh, I know I have my thoughts. I'm sure you have your thoughts. But he says, what metric, if any, do you use to consider the podcast or your stream for Rusty a success? And he puts success in air quotes, kind of, like... When we record a podcast episode, or really when we look at the podcast holistically, all 89, 88 episodes, and all my Twitch streams, when we look back at that type of stuff, what do we deem success? Do you mind if I kick things off here? No, that's cool. You should probably go, because once I get on my soapbox... Yeah, I was going to say, this is going to turn into I don't know like if I'm your gonna, journey rant. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm going to stop. It's like, for you, like, what do you consider a success with the podcast? See, I've never been like a clicks or shares or likes or whatever plat like social media platform. That stuff is never really... I mean, obviously, people are going to listen to it or watch it. One or two people, I don't... It doesn't really matter. I think... For this, because we went into it with zero expectations, my evaluation of success was my level of enjoyment and our I guess our level of enjoyment actually doing it so like if we if it becomes a job it's I deem it as kind of a failure in our eyes I mean that we're always going to have some episodes that we're going to be like dude I've had so much caffeine like my heart's palpitating right now Mm -hmm. and like those episodes we're obviously going to have more fun until we pass out um, and there's some episodes that we're tired or whatever, but as long as we're still enjoying the conversation or the environment that we're fostering, especially through the Discord, I mm-hmm. mean, the community that we've slowly built up over the last couple of years has been great. And seeing the interaction and the support from everyone and everyone's streams and endeavors, I think is awesome. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it's always been. If I'm having a good time, then I'll continue to do it. And then the second we're not having fun or it becomes, I don't know, I don't see it ever becoming a toxic environment because everyone's freaking awesome. Mm -hmm. But the second we stop enjoying it or it becomes too burdensome in our real lives, I guess, marriages, dogs, family, whatever happens, I think that's when it would be less successful in my mind yeah success yeah. would be less possible based on the way you think yeah you it. I, I take it more as a 
per episode and then looking at it as like a macro view. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think we're doing a good job. I'm, yeah. I'm still enjoying it and having fun time. Um, so yeah, pretty successful. Yeah, no, I would agree with you a thousand percent. I And when I was thinking about this late at night, um, you know, I was thinking about the 10 years that I guess I've technically been a part of the YouTube gaming community um, and just content creating in general, if you if you will. Um, and when I think about in 2010, when I chose to do my YouTube channel, um, my motivations for doing it weren't always great, right? Because I saw mm-hmm. people like Pete Doerr showing off his video game collection. And Pete never had ill intentions in doing that. He literally just wanted to show people and talk about his Xbox 360 or his PS2 or his yeah. DS collection. It was never with the intent of like, I'm showing 300 green boxes on a screen thumbnail picture. I can't imagine the amount of clickbait I'm going to get because of it. That was never it. And so I kind of came down to like, there's really two pillars to success, whether it's Otaka Brothers, whether it's the Ari Lewis 2011 streams, when it's I sparingly post a YouTube video. Um, And I think the first pillar to that is exactly what you said are we enjoying this are we having fun recording episodes and i think that's so foundational upon like not only are we having fun but like are we in the right headspace because you talked about like being tired or maybe you just had the shittiest day at work and like today you could have texted me and said rusty i literally had a meeting four to five it spilled over to five fifteen. like i don't want to do this because i don't have the energy I don't have the heart to put into something like this today. And yeah. that would have been fine. We would have pushed it to tomorrow or Sunday or we wouldn't have recorded this weekend. And you and I have to be vulnerable and transparent enough to say to one another, like, hey, dude, I'm not feeling it this weekend. Yeah. I mean, like when I got the text from you, you're like, hey, man, like I just logged into Lauren's computer, downloaded all this shit. Like, do you want to record today? And I was like, that's the last thing I was expected. And I was in a really shitty meeting. And then I walked over with the dog. I'm like, that would be such a good I guess upper or an up to the end of the week mm-hmm. um, to get me out of the funk that I was kind of in. Um, so yeah, definitely it's it's definitely been a positive thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I would say like the pillar number two can never in any way be dependent or one can, let me rephrase that. One, us having fun with the podcast and enjoying it laughing and having a good time can never be dependent on what I consider to be pillar number two. And again, this is just party of Rusty, you know, his little mind spinning out at like two o'clock in the morning on a weekday thinking about the 10 years that I've been involved doing this stuff. Never ever reaching the heights of success or notoriety of someone like Happy Console Gamer. And to be honest, I never really wanted that because um, I just, it's too big of a limelight. I like the more intimate, tight knit community that we've developed with Otaku Brothers but again, I guess getting back to this pillar number two, um, our fun can never be dependent on two, which is basically just, are other people enjoying this? Yeah. Are other people consuming this podcast, listening to it, and laughing, and being entertained, and hopefully uh, wanting to be a part of this community that we've cultivated over the past two and a half years? Um, but I, I, I want to be very direct in saying that like because I I did this with my YouTube channel I I got trapped into this thinking that like my success 
for my YouTube videos, all right, what I deemed to be a success was how many people liked it versus how many people disliked it, how many people commented on it versus how many people watched it and never left a comment to affirm or validate the time I spent making that video. Yeah. And I think it's it's been really dis- discouraging to see someone like recently, um, NES Complex. You probably don't know who he is. Maybe some of the listeners do. Earlier in the year, he spent a hu- over 100 hours doing a Chrono Trigger retrospective. And he put it out at the very onset of the pandemic. And hardly anyone watched it within 24 hours. And he went to Twitter and said, I literally spent... I put my heart and soul into this and hardly anyone's watched it. When I put a video out six years ago, I had, let's just say, 8,000 likes within 24 hours. I put this out and within 24 to 48 hours, I had 1,000 likes or 1,000 views or whatever like that. Um, And it's soul crushing to me because I know Chris put all of his heart and soul into that video, but I think... And I'm not pointing him out specifically, and I shouldn't use him as an example, but I think he's getting caught up into the mindset of like, I put so much time into this and no one's watching it. Like my enjoyment, I would have felt validated all the time I spent into it if someone else said, that's amazing. Um, And so, and it's tough. It's a tough and difficult balance to strike. And in my 10 years of being on YouTube, uh, doing this podcast and now Twitch, I think if I could encourage anyone that's doing this and not seeing the success, not seeing the clicks, not seeing the shares, not seeing the downloads or subscriptions, be patient. Yeah. Because you are your own worst critic. Like, I know earlier on with the podcast, like, the audio was shit. We had horrible transitions. Um, We weren't getting a lot of downloads. No one was commenting on the Discord. Like, and then two and a half... intermission. What's that? We had an intermission. Yeah, it was just <laughs> like, goofy and comfortable shit. and awkward and weird. Yeah. But then two and a half years later, like, look at this community, this tight-knit group of people that have come together that share mutual interest in the things that we love and that we're all just doing this together and it's just fun and it's good times. But, like, that took 10 fucking years. Like, yeah. the people that I know, like Comeback Kid, Chrono Lang, Zach Archer, Pete Dore, Blink by Association of All Gen Gamers, like... They're people that I've known for eight plus years, you yeah. know, it's so like, and that's, it took that long for Otaku Brothers to kind of become for you and I to cultivate what it is nowadays. Yeah. I think at best clicks, likes, whatever is a sounding board to know if you're moving, I guess not in, even in the right direction, but it's just a sounding board to see what's out there. Um, I I'm more if if you're staying true to your personality and you're not forcing something. Hundred percent. Like I'm not going to force to be extremely extroverted when I'm more introverted. But as long as I'm staying true to my thoughts, who I am, and relay that. That's success. Who likes? Yeah. Whoever likes it likes it. Like, and we've somehow managed to pull cool people into our Discord through. Our conversations of us sticking to our nerdy and sometimes lame personalities. So, yeah. like, I, I think because it's, I, I, I think made it's that mistake. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't want to keep it. I don't want. No, I, I think that's kind of the main thing. Is yeah. I'm not going to force to try to be like Rusty Two, and you're not going to try to force to be Ryan Two. Yeah. Well, because I I made that mistake with YouTube. Because I saw all these other people going out and buying these NIS of America and really, really Japanese RPGs. And I thought, like, 
well, everyone else is doing it. I should do it too. Dragon Ball Origins too. Yeah, well, that, listen, I, that one's awesome. I started that, all right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyone that talked about I was that on game, the forefront of that freaking thing. That's right. Yeah. Um, but no, like I felt like if I just buy piles of games and, ta- and just show all the games that I bought on my YouTube videos, well, then I'm fitting in with the crowd. And it took me a couple years to find like who I was. And it's like, what am I doing with myself? Like, no, focus on the ridiculous licensed games. Like, fairy, the fairy odd parents breaking all the rules on the Game Boy Advance <laughs> or the yeah. Lord of the Rings games or my 3D platformers, the N64. And I think when, when you are true to yourself and you find like, hey, I'm going to talk about and play the games that I want to play and talk about the games that I want to talk about, that's when I've, I'm successful. Mm-hmm. That's when I found the most joy in doing this podcast with you and recently streaming on Twitch and of course recording videos on YouTube. Um, I hope that makes sense. I kind of just was like rambling a lot. Um, but it's something that like when Blink asked that question, I'm like, gosh, that is so such a fascinating question because I've I've wrestled with that idea for literally the better half of 10 years. Yeah. It, you know, it, getting involved with YouTube. It's definitely a learned, I mean, I'm sure if I was, I, I don't know, I haven't changed too much, but I'm sure over time, your answer to that, similar to your reaction to Journey, would change throughout your life. I'm sure your answer to what do you deem or how would you rate yourself on a scale of success, that would change throughout your life and your experiences. Yeah, 100%. Um, um, what I do want to cap this off with, and then we'll, of course, do our normal plugs at the end of the show, was uh, Gary Witta. Yeah. He is an amazing person. He has recently been recording podcast episodes with Kind of Funny Games. But he retweeted this thread, and it just really resonated with me, particularly about this question that Blink proposed to us. Um, And I'm almost glad that our episode didn't work last weekend, because I think this this thread of tweets really speaks to people that have been content creating for decades, or people that are just getting started. Mm -hmm. So this these are not my words. Uh, This is an account on Twitter called Game Makers Toolkit. This person says. Sometimes it can feel like the thing you're working on is complete and utter crap. These are four things you should remember to remind you why you're not a good judge of character of your own work. We're generally only impressed by things we can't do, things that are beyond our own skill set. So by definition, we aren't going to be that impressed by the things we create. The end user, however, is perfectly able to find your work impressive. When you spend hundreds of hours researching, thinking, and writing about a topic, it can start to feel what you're made is really, it can start to feel what you've made is really obvious. That's just because you know it now. Remind yourself how little you knew when you started. That's how your audience will feel. You're aware of every error, every fault, every bit you rushed because you were tired, every hacky solution to a problem. You see your project as an intricate Jenga tower of mistakes and mishaps. The end user sees none of that unless it's really obvious. They just see the final product. When we make something, we have an image in our head of what it will be like. There's always a disappointing gap between that dream and reality. But the end user doesn't see the dream. They only see the reality. So don't make unfair comparisons. They'll judge it for what it is. Your inner critic can be useful, but it's inherently flawed. You won't truly know whether your good thing is good until others see it. So release stuff and get feedback. Good luck. Yeah, that that's very accurate. Which I, I love yeah. because how many years did I allow go by to not start streaming on Twitch because I needed 
the best capture card. I needed the best computer. I needed the best mic. No, I just needed a microphone, a game console, and a computer. And I look back at those old Twitch streams or my first Twitch streams, especially the ukulele one, and it's kind of cringy. It's jank. The quality is not great. Even my more recent Twitch streams, I see the flaws in those things. But just look at our first podcast episode two and a half years ago versus now. Yeah, We've come so far. And I think it's the same for anyone that it gets involved in YouTube, anyone that gets involved in even writing music or painting yeah, or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, like even me posting my paintings on there, like going back to that cloud painting, which was like my second painting, God, fuck, like six or seven years ago when I started. Yeah. Like I can point out every flaw, but like I can understand that it looks good not knowing every detail and spending that 60 hours or whatever I spent. The trials and tribulations that got you to that final product. Yeah. Yeah. And then seeing the growth and that's, yeah, just seeing the growth over time and being able to point out less of your mistakes on things like I, I mean I can point out a ton of like 100 mistakes in the Harry Potter painting but I've come to accept it more yeah and anyone else just, looks at your Harry Potter painting is like oh my gosh that is like the Mona Lisa of Harry Potter paintings yeah no it, it's definitely a journey but I that tweet definitely resonates yeah so it's, I mean it's a if great I, summation of what we were saying yeah and I would just encourage anyone like if you're if you're hesitating to do something, even though you have the means, even if it's not going to be perfect, go for it. Jump. I think I my some of my greatest successes have been when I've just jumped and made a decision. Obviously, in the confines of like being within the law and things like that, <laughs> yeah, you know. Fuck it. Let's just burn shit down. Yeah, and, like, but you know, I look at something like streaming on Twitch for the first time, knowing it wasn't going to go well, creating the podcast with you. Like there wasn't a ton of planning that went involved. We were just like, let's hop behind a couple mics and talk about video games. Yeah. First girlfriend. Fuck it. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. We were in, we've, I don't even know if we've told the whole story. I think we probably have, but I was sitting with you, uh, during an event for our fraternity and you were just like, yeah, Lauren's in town because her bo- she broke up with their boyfriend. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm attracted to your sister. Like that's, a, that's a fucking huge leap. <laughs> Especially like you. I mean, you're a big dude that would punch me and I'd probably die. Like, yeah. I, you know, so I just, and at that point I was 40 pounds thinner and a scrub. Like, you know, for me to have the balls yeah. to say like, hey, I'm attracted to her. I just, I jumped. And then I know it's kind of comparing apples to oranges in terms of like recording a YouTube video and potentially dying from a guy that has a big a beard and is eating a bowl of oatmeal and, <laughs> and naked energy juice <laughs> and the, the the older brother to his younger sister um but yeah no if i can encourage anyone i think we've ryan and i have done a decent job of of summarizing what success looks like with the podcast and content creating and i think that strand of tweets does a really good job too of just like hey go out there and try yeah so um i don't mean to end abruptly but i, I that's all i have to say on that yeah a journey of a thousand steps begins with the first one. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, I appreciate everyone uh, writing into the podcast. I think the the question block on Discord is a, a far easier way for people to do that. So definitely, if you enjoyed uh, the answers to those questions, continue to, to write in. I think yeah. uh, they don't have to be anything... Um, 
super philosophical or deep and detailed. It could literally just be, um, you know, what's your favorite uh, fast food order or whatever. Or you know? do philosophical stuff because that's what my second podcast is about. Yeah. So, um, and you know, Ryan and I aren't promising on answering every question, every episode. It's more to be um, kind of just an ongoing library or inventory of questions that we can tap into uh, for episodes that we don't maybe already have an existing topic. But I think for this episode, it's been a couple of weeks. Ryan and I wanted to go all out, uh, record a decently long episode for people. So yeah. hope you enjoyed that. I talked about it earlier in the show. If you're not in the Discord, you absolutely should be. Some of the best people I know in there having some of the greatest conversations um, I'm having during my day. So definitely hop in there. The link is in the show notes below. All you have to do is click the link, create a quick account on Discord. Voila, you're part of the community. We'd love to have you there. You can also write in at otakubrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Again, we'd love to hear audio questions or just more lengthy questions, but there's an easier way to do that in the Discord as well. Uh, moving forward, I don't know what Ryan and I are going to do in terms of podcast scheduling. Again, ideally, we would record episode 100 around the uh, Christmas time frame, but I don't want to make empty promises, so... We're going to try to be on as on as consistent a schedule as we can be. But yeah, hopefully we get the computer situation, all the technology that's right. sorted out soon. Um, it's kind of the main hindrance right now, but yeah, we should we should be more consistent for sure. Absolutely. Well, um, on that note, Ryan, I always turn it back to you. Any uh, parting words for the listeners this week? Yeah, just just play fall, guys. <laughs> that's it. Like, if you want a happy like. We talked about like wind down music and stuff, but Fall Guys, it's a jam. Get out there, fall down, you know. Laugh, cry, have fun. Yeah. Smile big. Get some crowns. That's right. Get a wolf head. Whatever you gotta do. (laughs) Or a hot dog. (laughs) You got this. Have a good week. You too. And uh, we'll see you uh, in the future. See ya. Thanks for listening.